0: Hey friends, welcome to the Sunday Morning Snuggle. My name is Beck. I'm a clinical psychologist, registrar, and a Christian. My favourite thing in the whole world is stories.
1: So I love,
0: I love books, I love interviewing, I love learning how people got from A to B, even if on the outside of it, it looks ridiculous. I love all the nitty gritty. And so the internet just makes me tired right now. Join me as we chat to local Christian women about their joys and their struggles, how they came to trust in Christ and what they have learned through suffering. So, Britt, tell me, what does a typical week look like for you and what things
1: make up your week? A typical week... Well, it's all about change, to be honest. So a typical week previously was that I am a stay-at-home mum with a -a three-and-a-half-year-old daughter, Beatrix, and and twins. So A doesn't really work there. Twins that are 17 months old, a boy and a girl, Ambrose and Florence. And so my week looked like two naps a day where I would try and get something done and or cook dinner or, or prepare for the day, and then some sort of activity most days. So, play groups, Bible study, going to a park, going to a, trying to find a good coffee somewhere, generally close to something that the kids can do. Just leaving the house. Just leaving the house, basically, and going outside. Yeah, yeah. organising play dates, trying to see friends with kids similar age or kids a bit older whatever that might be but yeah just kind of being out and about keeping the house somewhat in check but not really (laughs) and trying to get things done but going forward my weeks are going to change because my daughter will start kindy so she'll be at school three days a week and I'm going back to work two days a week and then I'll be at home the rest of the time so it'll be a bit more of a juggle this new year and we'll see how the adjustment goes wow so tell us what do you do for work what are you going back to I am a social worker and so I'm going back to a mental health agency for young people who are marginalised or difficult to engage with and mostly have lots of complex trauma. So my role is to do therapy with them and also case management. So depending on depends on where they're at as to what we actually do sometimes it can be just trying to connect them in with some sort of education or training or into the community more and other times it's more of a straightforward therapeutic kind of role they come into the office and we talk about whatever might be happening whether that's anxiety depression complex trauma generally (laughs) just try and engage with them and work through some of that
0: so what I'm hearing is there's going to be lots of tantrums yeah. Both of days. <laughs> yeah. All of the days.
1: Yeah, so every day will be tantrums.
0: Every day will be tantrums. <laughs> Whether they're
1: young people or little people.
0: <laughs> so tell me, what are you a few of your favourite things lately?
1: Yeah, I read this question and I was trying to think, what what have I read or seen recently that's been good? I've watched some really good TV recently. Yeah. The kind of TV where you're, like, busting to get your kids to go to bed because you want to turn on the TV. <laughs> like, bedtime, bedtime, <laughs> Yeah, bedtime. come on. You guys are going to go now. <laughs> it's enough. We watched – I don't normally like this kind of genre, but we watched and, Andorf, I think it was called, or Andor. It's Ooh. a Star Wars spin-off TV series and actually loved it. Really? Really engaging and really, really good. <gasps> and the other one I loved – this last year Severance on Apple TV that was one of the best TV shows I think I've ever seen and I thought about it for weeks after I couldn't stop thinking about how it ended and what would happen next and where things were going to go and then reading wise I read hannah kent's new book i can't think of the name off the top of my head and that oh, was really good
0: she was the one who wrote that book about that woman who was like wrongly accused yeah it like the burial right yes yes really, oh my goodness so bleak yes what else does she write is it is it equally depressing
1: yeah kind of it's a woman in a small christian village in europe who migrates to adelaide with her family I feel like I can't say much without giving away the entire (laughs) plot line, but it's like their ship journey over and their time in the village and their faith, although Hannah Kent is not a Christian, so it's interesting reading her take on a Puritan faith. Um, Yeah, that was a very good book.
0: Are Um, they like very bleak Puritans?
1: Yeah, they're pretty stoic, but their lives are very hard as well. (laughs) So you can kind of understand why they might be like that. You're like, that's fair. You know, people do just randomly die in your life. Yeah, and you're like, okay, Um, got to soldier on and feed the cows. Yeah, you got to do your jobs and make sure you're working with your hands, basically. (laughs) Yeah, and oh, I read part of, I haven't finished, ironically, a book called Stolen Focus. I would like to read that. It looks
0: very long. Is it it is. is
1: it? Yes, I really yeah. liked it, got into it and then <laughs> forgot about it. Which is very ironic given the topic of the book. Yeah, yeah. You'd yeah. think
0: I would keep reading it. It's a long book considering that it's directed at people who are struggling to focus. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but
1: he also like didn't have a phone and went away for three months to some sort of island type getaway. So he had a lot of time. He had a lot of time to think. Yeah. He's like, and everyone else will be able to focus for this length of time. Well, the good thing is is he is like, you're not the problem. It's the structures that are the problem. And that's what he explores in the book. Not so much that you just need to try harder to focus. He's saying, this is all the reasons you actually can't focus. And this is what's working against you. So it's quite nice. It's it's almost similar. Have you read
0: Digital Minimalism? No. Yeah. Carol Newport is a computer science professor. So he loves technology. Okay. But he's like this is why all the systems don't work. So he's more like, this is how the system is set up, you know, with email and all these things and why knowledge work is structured wrong and why it's hard to Ah. focus. Yeah, but then he's like, this is how you could, you know, like tech isn't going to change. So this is like ways you could structure your life or Ah. tools you could use to kind of get
1: around that. I wonder if this guy interviews him because he interviews all the lead thinkers in this area. Uh, And then I really like listening to podcasts actually.
0: Me too. I'm a massive fan.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What's What are your favourite podcasts? So I listen to Shameless quite a lot. Is Shameless that I'm podcast. a mere one? No. No. It's like, it's dumb stuff for smart people is their tagline. <laughs> it's pop culture. It is oh, sugary and syrupy and like there's nothing at all really useful in terms of the information you get in the podcast but that's what makes it so great yeah just so like, lots of pop to. culture what's happening with celebrities just stupid stuff I love it, so it means girl. I have a lot of weird knowledge though about <laughs> celebrities that I don't really need Ooh, and
0: what would be your favorite one your favorite thing that you have learned from the shameless podcast that you're like, I will never have a use for it except now
1: Ah, uh, how many children Nick Cannon gave birth to this year Through different women, (laughs) (laughs) he he went from eight to twelve children in one year. Twelve? Yeah, he's got twelve kids to different (gasps) people now, and some of them are born like a month apart. (laughs) He's just like, what what is Nick doing? Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! (laughs) They were predicting how many children they thought he might have this year. Whoa! Because he's just like a bit of prolific baby maker. This yeah. is getting ridiculous now, Nick. What yeah, are they're you like, doing? I'm lining up
0: to give birth to one of Nick's babies. So like, yeah, wow. Yeah, okay, yeah. brilliant. <laughs> so tell me, <laughs> what are your current game changers? So this might be a habit, a product, a hack, or a reframe of the way you look at a situation.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I was thinking about this a lot. So as I was telling you, I've deleted social media in the last two or three days.
0: Mm.
1: I haven't actually like signed out or anything like that, but I haven't accessed them either on any other forum and I don't plan to. I'm going to give myself a three-month break and then reassess. And that is a real game changer for me in terms of the level of contentment I'm experiencing and ability to be present, which I don't – I found myself being really irritable and anxious to get online. For, but just to scroll, like I wasn't actually really looking at anything and I was spending heaps of time doing it. Yeah, and it's almost like all of this feels too
0: hard and, like, I need a break. Yes. I, like, need my reward because I've been working really hard yeah. on this parenting thing.
1: Yeah. yeah. So full-on escapism type stuff trying to get away from the present moment not feel the feelings I was feeling and therefore going on social media to meet that void which then yeah. is not useful because you don't learn to sit with anything so yeah I, I actually have noticed a massive difference even in a couple of days I feel so much better randomly and way just way less anxious I don't think I realized the level of anxiety I was feeling until I signed off so I don't know that I'll ever go back on really yeah but and we'll I see. love that
0: you've like I've I've given myself a few months and I'll see how I feel like because there were things like I was surprised how hard it was to come off it like I Mm. realized that oh how will I get my news you know where does that come from or how will I sell things because it's on marketplace yes how will I find out about events and you have to think about all these workarounds or like I'm feeling really grumpy and now will will I need to check. Before I was like, I'll check my emails that seem really important now.
1: Yes, I know. My emails (laughs) have become more important. (laughs) like, what is happening in these? I'm now reading everything. Look, this seems very interesting. I sign up to a lot
0: of newsletters, actually. Yeah, okay, for content. Yeah, to have things to read. But then I still waste time. I think you can waste time anytime you want.
1: Yeah, you just have to be, you know, motivated enough to waste time. Yeah, totally, (laughs) which I am. Um, And in terms of a reframe think in having twins and another small child that's been pretty intensive so mm. my motto kind of tongue-in-cheek but also it is something I do think is just I'll give it a year like <laughs> give it a year mm. and these things will be better because this this child will be a little bit older and these two will be older too and they'll be able to do this and things will just get a little bit easier and even if I think back a year it's definitely easier than it was a year ago different challenges but yeah. yeah. I think just giving, just that whole idea of just giving things time has yeah. helped me.
0: You know, kind of, it's almost like validation We're like, yes, this is hard mm. and it might be different next year or like, yeah, I really, I really like that, that <laughs> things can change and I don't know how, but I'm giving myself permission to just, this is where we're at.
1: Yeah. 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 Accepting it for what it is. Yeah. Rather than trying to fight it. Or trying to be like, I can just make this all wonderful
0: and I will yeah. just like get through by my power of positivity.
1: Oh, yeah, no way. <laughs> that will not get you very far no. with twins. Yeah, then you're like, why can't
0: I be positive and why am I failing at something else?
1: Yeah, totally.
0: I really like that. What are you doing when you feel most yourself, like this is what I was made to do, what makes mm. you feel the most alive?
1: It's a good question as well. You've got Thank some good you. ones in here. I think being by the ocean makes me feel quite alive and just being out in nature, particularly it's been like two days. And so now I'm like one of those evangelists for my brand new habit, (laughs) but particularly not using my phone as much has made me notice more things around me if I'm outside. I, and I think I'm interested to see if it feels this way when I go back to work, but I used to feel that when I was working. When I was in a therapy session with someone and it really felt like we were kind of either able to connect on something or get somewhere in a little small way because the kind of clients I work with it's very like slow and you can't expect much change really yeah. um that made me feel really alive doing that
0: yeah well your whole focus is like I'm doing this mm. and like it's hard but I'm really here and yeah. I'm 100% there
1: I think it's probably yeah the feeling of being present yeah because you're not distracted or anywhere else you're just in the moment and I think to do good therapy you have to be really present
0: and that's funny that like therapy is almost one of the last places
1: Mm. yeah you're
0: like well you know as a therapist you can't pull your phone out
1: no (laughs) because you're uncomfortable with the feeling that someone's bringing up it'd be great if you could no no
0: this feels terribly uncomfortable for me let me just check my Instagram yeah yeah and I'll come back to you in a sec no you can't yeah you have to like model that and sit with it with someone yeah yeah
1: And I think also, yeah, sometimes actually playing with the kids, I'd get that feeling. Again, it's only in the moment where I can be fully present in it, where I'll feel quite alive, just being in a moment. It's that connection. Yeah. And like, it's not,
0: it's not an app. It's not a, like a thing you can Mm. download. You're like, oh, actually, I'm really alive when I connect with other people. Yeah. 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 That's really cool. Hmm.
1: How did you become a Christian? I actually don't know the story. Oh. So, I became a Christian at about 16. Me too. Ah, there you go. Yeah, so I grew up vaguely going to church. My mum always went to church and she took us and then, because I'm one of six kids, I assume probably things just got too hard and my dad didn't go, so... Yeah. We kind of stopped at some point. And then when I was about 15, my friends at school went... I didn't realise they all came from Christian homes. Oh. And they were going to youth group. Randomly, they must have started. And I was jealous they didn't invite me. <laughs> so I invited myself. Because they're hanging out without me. Yeah, why are you hanging out on the <laughs> weekend without telling me? Um, and so I went along to Sunday night church and I probably went for about a year and I just took in everything that was going on yes. and kinda observed all the weird things about being in a church, like all yeah. the strange people, people the raising singing. the singing, people raising their hands and the yes. singing was a big thing. I was like, What are they doing? What is going on here? Yeah. And the messages and I just remember a few kind of sermons along the way. There was one about the narrow path and the wide path. And that really stuck with me. And just little things would eat away at me. Like I'd just kind of be processing it behind the scenes. So probably over about a year period this occurred. And then I went on a school camp. And we were in the – we had to go do solo time in the bush. We sat by self and reflected. Yeah. And a kangaroo came near me and I got really frightened. (laughs) And so I went to find somebody and I happened upon this girl from my – group at school who was a Christian. I didn't actually know her that well. Anyway, she was like, do you want me to pray with you? And I was like, oh, okay. And so we (laughs) prayed together in the bush. Yeah. And then I went home and was like, do I believe in God? Do I not believe in God? And I was really thinking about it. And then I just decided, oh, well, if it's not real, at least I'll have a good life. But if it is real and I don't believe it, I'll be really disappointed if I get to the end and like I've missed out. I guess I understood the concept you had to accept Jesus to some degree to make that decision based on that.
0: Yeah, yeah, but almost like the consequences are greater.
1: Yes. Yeah, like almost like because
0: you're like, oh, I could could choose not to, but it's almost like that weight of it stuck with you. You're like, there are real consequences to this choice.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so then I was like, I believe in God, I'm a Christian. And then I just started going to church all the time and, yeah, it changed my life. Yeah, 'cause you you were a
0: chaplain for a while as well, right?
1: Yeah, I was a school chaplain for three years when I first finished uni. Wow. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, it was yeah. um it was great. It was a really fun job. I don't know that I'd have the energy for it now, but <laughs> I did actually love it at the time. Yeah, I loved doing it. That's amazing.
0: Yeah. Sort of bad chaplaincy at one point. Wow. <laughs> who knows? It is good would be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so who is someone who's encouraged or inspired you in your Christian walk and why?
1: Oh, yeah, I was thinking about this one too. Uh, I think a lot of people over the years have really encouraged me. I think back to kind of the first ever Bible study leader I had at 16, a woman called Belinda, and she, she would have only been like three or four years older than me, but she definitely influenced me. So she study youth work, which I went on to study, and she was a school chaplain, and I then became a school oh, chaplain, so I think I kind of really, like, modelled myself a little yeah. bit on her, and she just, like, spent a lot of time with me, I think, kind of helping me explore the Bible, and that made a massive impi- impact on my life. The other one, I reckon, is probably Amy Stopher Oh, she's amazing. She is amazing, she's and amazing. she read the Bible with me for maybe a year to two years at a point when I was working then as a social worker or I was studying social work and then I started working as a social worker and I was working in quite an intensive secular environment and I would meet with her every week and read the Bible and I just, it just was so encouraging. I don't think she even realised, would realise because we became, we ended up becoming friends through doing that. Yeah. But yeah, just kind of, I felt like it offered a bit of anchoring to me At that time, when I was like, how do I fit? How does what I believe fit with this environment that I'm in? I really like this work that I'm doing, but it's also really tricky to do with the belief system I hold. How do I marry the two? And she just, yeah, really encouraged me in that. And then I reckon now I would say the women who encourage me most are actually the Bible study I'm part of with a lot of other mums. Is that Thursday Morning Women? Yes, but for Bayswater, it's Wednesday morning women. (laughs) We've changed the day. Um, But that's just like, I just really enjoy walking through kind of the everyday with people. And I love the fact that you can have a group of women that you don't even know necessarily that well. You might only ever see them at that and at church, but you're still connecting and encouraging one another and praying for one another. And you are aware of what's going on. And I think Mm. those women particularly in having, when I've had the twins, those women and other women in our church have just like cared for me and loved me at a point where I felt like I had very little to give and provided for our family and actually been like the love of God to us. And that has just like deeply impacted my life. Like I think I'll hold that forever. (laughs) Like you're talking, and I'm like tearing up just like a little bit. I'm like, oh,
0: (laughs) like I love, yeah, that like those three different women loved you so well Mm. for like the season that you were in, Mm. where like where you were a student and like you had that time, like your friend, you know, invested in you Mm. and like spent a lot of time where you were really like, what do I think and where am I going? Mm. And then like you know, in that middle part of your life where you're working and you're like, how do I fit and how do I reconcile this? Mm. Amy was like that kind of anchoring, Mm. yeah, like really sit with the Bible and really know it. Mm. But I love in this season where you're like, I don't have the leeway to like study or read it in the way that I have. Like, (laughs) Not at all. No, you're like, my faithfulness is showing up. Yeah. Yeah, but like where you've got nothing to give, I love that that all of it's stripped away and you're like, actually, I'm learning to receive... Yes. from peop, You know, people who love God and that is...
1: That's why they do it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. yeah. Well, you're like, oh, I...
0: Yeah, sometimes you just think if I learn something more or if I do something better. Mm. But I love... Sometimes it's just like I'm in a season where
1: other people give to me. Yes, totally. And learning to accept that. Because <laughs> it's so hard to do. It's so hard. <laughs> it's so hard to accept help. Yeah, it's really yeah. hard. And I think particularly... I'm sure you might feel the same. When you're the person that's the helper oh, yeah. for your profession, you're not actually very good at accepting help because you don't see yourself as needing it.
0: No, and you're like, oh, everyone else has worse problems and I'm doing just fine. Yeah, and yeah. will like, just keep going yeah. and like sucking it up because yeah. I'm great at that.
1: Yeah, yeah. But actually being vulnerable and saying, oh no, I could use some help, is like so powerful. <laughs> yes. Thank you. I, I will
0: accept that meal. I yes. Will. Like, <laughs> yes, please take my child for an hour. I would really, really need Yeah, really, you actually really
1: need this. I really need it.
0: <laughs> yes. I'm about to fall apart. Yes, I will cry on my floor. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me, what is something that God has taught you through a hard season or suffering that you don't think you would have learned otherwise? What hmm. did you learn about
1: God? Yeah, I think the learning to accept help and that, god will care for me has been huge particularly over the last year i think twins was just like i actually can't remember probably the first six months of their life because i think it was just so intensive Mm. with an older child as well like Mm. just and people really cared for us and were generous beyond anything I think we could have imagined and not just our our church family was extremely generous to us and other Christians we knew but also just like my mother's group people that are not Christians were just so caring and loving to us and so generous to us way beyond what we needed and there were definitely points I think I because I had so little to invest in anything I really doubted and wondered about my faith a lot. Mm. I never really questioned if God was real. I just was like, do I really want to do this? Do I believe this? Am <laughs> I in this? Like, where am no. I in this? And I, I really struggled. And I think a friend of mine. What were those specific
0: doubts that really, like, nagged at you? Like, when you were like, do I really want to do this? Like, what was the this?
1: I think some of it actually came from reading the kids' Bible with my daughter and literally being like, this just seems way too far-fetched. This seems ridiculous. Yeah. These stories just seem crazy and I can't be bothered with it. Yeah, like this is almost too hard to
0: add to everything else I'm already doing.
1: Yeah, yeah. I wonder if that was part of it. I don't. I feel like I c- it's hard to even make sense of, but I did definitely have a real period of doubt. Yeah. And I had a friend who kind of was like, no, I felt the same too postpartum. Yeah. And I think when you're in that haze, that's part of it. But it's about just continuing to show up. And I also remember a sermon Rory did years ago where he talked about like having doubts and then looking around at the other people in the church and being like, well, that guy's pretty smart and he's still coming. So I may <laughs> as well keep going. And I actually thought about that a lot because I was like, yeah. these women in my Bible study seem like they know what they're doing. <laughs> Yes. So I can keep going because, you know, like they're here, so it must mean something. They can't all be dumb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're like,
0: I've, yeah, almost like that. You're like I've thought about this in another season of my life, and I've I've committed to it, and I've surrounded my, but I'm also surrounded by these people. Yeah. Well, they're kind of together, and they are really holding fast, and they're kind of just dragging me along at this point. Like, yes, yeah, totally. You know, I, I, I've got nothing left to give, and I don't know. But they're like, yeah. we've got you, and like this yeah. makes
1: sense. And I don't think they realized they were dragging me along, <laughs> because I think um, I did have a friend say to me, like, you say you actually seem fine, and I was like, no, I'm really struggling. And she's like, no, you, you see, you've got to tell people because you seem okay, and so I problematically can appear better than I perhaps feel inside. Um, so I'm like, I don't know that they realised how much of an impact they were having on me, but they really were, like, because they were so consistent and faithful yeah. and generous.
0: Like, what do you, what were the things that people did that were, like, you know, really, really helpful, like the stuff that was really good?
1: I think good. dropping off meals or offering meals or, um, yeah, offering to take my daughter. Like, people would be like, can I take her to the park? I'll take it here because there was a period where I was very housebound. Like, it was hard to even leave. Yeah. With the feeding and the pumping and everything that goes with having two babies that are tricky. The asking me how they could pray for me, the sending texts to check in how I was going, the continuing to, I guess, like, be like, we're doing this this afternoon. Do you want to come? We're going to this park. Do you want to do this? Like, that sort of stuff.
0: Yeah. So, like, really keeping you on their radar even though, Yeah. you're like, I can't – I'm not in a season where I can, like, text back or I'm not yeah. reliable, but, like,
1: yeah, no one kind of let you go. Or holding a baby all the time. Like, literally, people would be like, can I hold the baby? Can I do this? Yeah. I'll, I'll do this for you. Let me get the baby out of the car. Let me do – like, just
0: so, being like, aware really of me. practical. Yeah. Like, not like, hey, if you need anything, let me know, but, like, yeah. can I take this baby now? Yeah. Can I come to your house and do this? Yes. Can yeah. I drop a meal at this time? Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, or like we got COVID and people, you know, someone from our church dropped off Play-Doh and games for Beatrix to and then somebody else dropped a meal and then somebody, you know, just yeah. really little things where um, – but they made a really big impact on me and definitely showed me that God is faithful in our suffering and in our moments of hardness that he is there. And I think that's another, like through suffering, definitely when I was about 21, I had a friend – kind of stopped being a Christian who was pretty pivotal in my life. And um, I remember going on a big thing of like, does God meet meet us in our deepest need? Hmm. And I went overseas and thought about that a lot. And I really reconciled that. Like I was like, no, God does meet us. And then in my late 20s, my mum got cancer and she died after about a year. And again, I was like, wow, God is meeting me in my deepest need And then obviously having the twins was pretty tricky. But post that, like when my my dad died a couple of months ago, very suddenly, and again, it was like God meets us in our deepest need. And again, like God used the community of people in my life to just like drop meals or take the kids or like people would be like, could I just babysit for you? And they would come and take three (laughs) small children and I would leave the house for an hour. Like just things like that. Like, Mm. yeah, like I think we have been just so provided for by God and God's people and also just people that aren't even Christians that he's used yeah. that suffering has taught me how faithful God is. That It's not like you're immune from pain, like you feel a lot of it, of course, but mm. God meets you in that. I love that like,
0: yeah, early on it sounds like, you know, you had this really good, you know, people who really cared that you you knew that, you know, you knew your Bible and, you, you know, that you understood it and you had this firm foundation and it sounds like you thought really deeply about things. Yeah. Yeah, but I, it sounds really interesting, like, as you've gone along and as hard things have happened, it's almost like it's gone from, like, that head knowledge to, like, that real gut sense. Yeah. Of, like, even when I don't have the right theology, even when I'm too tired to read my Bible. Yeah. And, like, everything else has fallen away, like, I trust that God is faithful.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's very true. I would agree with that for sure. I think my inclination is to be more cognitive rather than feel. And then, and the feeling is more uncomfortable. (laughs) And actually that's what like, that's what it has felt like postpartum for me. Just like this stripping away of like, Oh, I don't like this. And now I feel naked. And like, I wanted to just be competent because that's what I do. Like, I can do stuff and I can I can bring the meal and I yeah, can do the thing. and yeah, I can keep going. Yeah, and having to be like, no, I can't do that. And even, like, people, I would join their meal rosters and then they'd message me and be like, I don't think you should bring me a meal. <laughs> I think I think you should just not do that. And I'd be like, no, I can do it. And they'd be like, no, really, I think you shouldn't. people would come to my house and I could see in their eyes the chaos. (laughs) Just like, oh, yeah, this is a bit insane, isn't it? But I've gotten used to it, so.
0: (laughs) It's almost that validation where you're like, yes, this
1: is hard and I do this all day. Yeah, but then also you're a bit like, oh, shame. (laughs) I didn't want my life to be like this, but (laughs) here we are. I didn't want to be this person. Yeah, totally. Yeah, you often feel
0: like that. That's... Like, can I ask a question, Mm. like... Because it sounds like with your mum, like, you know, she was unwell for like a year and mm. then she passed and it was like you you knew it was coming. Yes. And your dad was like a surprise.
1: Yes, he had a heart attack. So it was a complete oh, surprise. Oh, wow. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like, was that experience of grief like different or was
1: it? Yeah, to- yeah, very different. I think with my mum, I really, I had this moment before my mum was even sick where I was like, oh, if my, I felt sick. I was with Dave and I was, we were dating and I was like, oh, I just don't know what I'd do without my mum. And it was this weird moment. And then yeah. like literally a month later, mum got sick. Oh, and wow. then over that year, like she was just so unwell. You knew she was unwell. You could see her changing. She had some surgery that changed her a bit. I grieved her loss a lot before she died. And then yeah. when she died, because she was so unwell, it was a, it was a relief. Because yeah. it was so intensive at the end, like going to the hospital, the hospice kind of every day and spending the entire day there and she's like laying in the bed and everyone's around. It was just very intensive. Yeah. Um, that like, when we could stop, I just wanted to stop going to the hospice. I didn't want my mum to die, but I didn't want to keep going there. it so, it's just so hard every day. Yeah, and also... Spending that much time with your family, not that fun. Like, it was just, it was, you know, everyone's grieving, everyone's heightened, everyone's saying stupid things. Oh, and everyone's you just, at their worst. Totally. Everyone's at their worst. Whereas, yeah, dad was just huge because it was such a, like I had been messaging him in the morning and then in the afternoon my brother called me and told me he died and it was such a shock. And I spent ages being like, it's not even real. And even now I think it's only hitting me. It's only really been hitting me recently. And even then I'm like, I don't think it's really hitting me.
0: Yeah.
1: It just kind of comes in waves and sometimes I'm totally fine, other times I'm not, and it's just is what it is. I don't know. It's, it's a very different experience of grief though. And because it's my second parent to die and all – like, so therefore both my parents have died, yeah. it's that experience of like, oh, I'm 36 and I have no parents anymore. So now, yeah, that it that just, is different.
0: It just feels really, yeah, really young. It feels way in too that young. young. Parenthood to be like. Oh yeah. One of those
1: people to w- walk me through that. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. That feels really weird. Yeah, that would be really hard. Yeah. 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 So it's a totally. It is a totally different experience of grief. So, for someone who is grieving,
0: mm. so someone who's going to listen to this and like.
1: Is grieving mm. like I don't know. Is there a word of encouragement you can offer? I would say ride the wave, just ride it and let it be. Don't try and make sense of it or think through necessarily. I don't think there's stages to grief in the way that some of the literature talks about, although I think a lot of the literature now, literature now tends to say that that's not the case anyway. But so that,
0: like Kubla Ross, no,
1: yeah. <laughs> Anger, denial, like it's, <laughs> I'm sure you experience those things, but I don't think you need to accomplish anything or. Mm, so there's not tasks of grief. Yeah, there's not. I think we would like tasks of grief. Yeah. I and I think on. also to remember God is, God is with you in that and in that need. And it's just okay if it's really hard. It doesn't have to be anything other. Like you don't have to make it better. And you, you also don't have to put a positive spin on it. <laughs> Which I think I'm guilty of. I'll be like, oh, no, I'm okay because this, this, this. And you're like, why do I need – I don't need to justify anything. Yeah. Like, I like that.
0: Yeah, there doesn't have to be tasks and I I don't have to do anything to grieve well.
1: No. You just kind of have to be with it.
0: Yeah, like I've just got to be like, I am grieving. Yeah. And it does suck.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's sad. And that sad things are meant to be sad, so just ride with it. (laughs) I just really like that.
0: Like, I, you know, I don't like that you're e- grieving up. Yeah, <laughs> like, thank you. You know, I'm really happy that you bad so happened to you. I'm so happy. But just, I don't know. Sometimes you see in like Christian circles where they're just like, this bad thing happened, but like I'm, everything is wonderful. I'm doing really well, and it, you know, it's fine, and I'm fine. Yeah. But I, I, I think the Bible is just not like that.
1: No. If anything, the Bible is just <laughs> full of people stuffing up and like. Also, in total despair. Yeah. And rightly so. Like, a lot of the things you read about, you're like, that is pretty tragic. (laughs) was like,
0: just despairing. Like, I'm just going to
1: lie here. I'm going to tear my clothes. I'm
0: going to scream at God, like, how long? And why have you abandoned me? Yeah. Yeah, it's really raw. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, very much so. Because the other thing I reckon I've learned through grieving is just that death does feel completely unnatural. Yeah. Like, it actually... I think it reaffirms for me what God is saying about death, that it isn't the way things were designed to be. No, like
0: it's not okay. Even when someone old dies, like it's not okay. No, it it doesn't feel right.
1: Yeah. And it feels, I think we logically, we say, yeah, someone's old, they had a good life. That's okay that they died. I think we don't know what to do when like a baby or something dies. Yeah. And I think, it's right that we're, like, raging when that happens because it just feels completely wrong. But to be honest, an old person feels wrong too. Yeah, you're like that, that,
0: that like, severing of connection. You're like, yeah. you you almost feel alive in, like, the context of, like, you know, our, our closest relationship. Yeah. Like, it's it's not right that they end or that they go. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, totally. Like, even my dad, I'm like, you were in your mid-70s. It still feels wrong. Yeah. Still feels like you had more to go, yeah. and I'm sure you felt like that too. Like, you know, it's just it feels wrong whenever it happens. Yeah, and I think like you know Jesus
0: like wept at Lazarus. Yeah. And you're like he's like Lord over everything and he's Lord over death and he yeah. raised him to life, but he was still like
1: sobbing. Yeah. 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 And he knew he'd raise him again. Yeah. So it does seem <laughs> weird that you would cry. <laughs>
0: And <laughs> grieve, but then also like come, come out, come out.
1: Yeah, that's enough
0: now. <laughs> yeah. And he's gonna like wipe every tear from every eye. Like, yeah. Yeah. Because I don't know, I don't have a bow, but like. Yeah. Yeah. We don't need one. <laughs> Who would you
1: like to nominate for this next? I think I'm gonna nominate Amanda Juniper. <gasps> who I think would be great to speak to about this sort of thing. Um, I hope she's not going to hate me for nominating <laughs> her. i <laughs> be like, why would you choose me? But she's someone I think is extremely faithful mm. as a person. Yeah, she really is. And like in a really beautiful, quiet way.
0: Yeah. I always come away very encouraged talking to Amanda.
1: Yeah, she's very encouraging. Mm. I would say she definitely really encourages me. In fact, actually one time,
0: not the most recent time I saw Amanda, but the time before that, which mm. was years ago, I was walking home from work I was in the city and I was standing at the traffic lights and then Amanda Juniper was at the traffic lights in her car and she was like hey and like all the other cars went and like it was green and then she just stayed there and shouted to me for ages and then she was like I need to go <laughs> just, like, off.
1: that's so good I know I love it it's my favorite I could really see her doing that I
0: know, it's really wonderful oh, thanks for joining us friend if you would like to support the podcast Please text it to a friend, share it on social media, get it in front of women in Perth Southeast who would love chats about books, and food and what we are learning about God through Heart Season. You can also support the Sunday Morning Snuggle by rating and reviewing it on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Your reviews help women find us. For essays, curated fun links and notifications of new episodes, check out the Sunday Morning Snuggle, Substack dot com.